Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ryan Slewinski. And how are you, Ryan uh, Slewinski? I am doing very well, Bartek. Bartek. Your name is twice. Just twice over. Bartek, hey, Bartek. We're not doing this American Mario canon. We're doing Bartek Kaspshishak. Okay. All right. Fine enough. You mentioned the Super Mario Brothers movie. Keep a pin in that. <laughs> Keep a pin in that. Okay. That will be relevant at the end of the test. So we are Spit and Polish Presents, likingly, because we are always spitting, and we both happen to be two Polish gentlemen, and I have a horrifying Polish meme to share today that I <laughs> oh, saw. Wow. So, Ryan, I guess I should ask the question you sometimes ask me. Any Polish news? I don't know the context for this, but I saw a meme because Poland was trending on X. That sounds so dirty to say. And I have no reason understanding of why, but it was a, a meme of what looks like a soldier cracking their knuckles and it was it was Poland the text was Poland and then the second panel was that soldier beating up an innocent civilian and it just said Belarus and I and I'm like what what is happening okay is is Poland beating up Belarus right now I I, do we who who do we scold Poland or Belarus uh, they look like an innocent civilian Belarus (laughs) in the in the meme so Poland is seemingly I don't know and when you listen to this listening person five years from now, and you don't know even more so than me currently, that's yeah, just, just that's the internet for just you. Just scroll through the archives of X. You had a fun moment on your social media of choice, Facebook, the other week, where you shared a Facebook memory in which your t- uh, your status was, I can't wait for future Bartek to share this oh, and have right. a memory of this event. <laughs> and then you just simply wrote, I have no memory of this. Yeah, it was it was something like a... I, I saw, saw a snake. I, I saw a snake in Oakley, but then I looked closer and it was a puddle. I don't really want people to, you know, re- you know, react to this or anything. I just want Facebook to have this in my memory so that I can see it in a few years and recall the memory. And I read that, I'm like, I, I don't remember that at all. So I just shared it. I was like, I don't remember. So your past self played you currently. So good job, Bartek. Or did I play my past self? Well, we're playing a something right now on this podcast. A movie, in fact, is playing in the background on silent. But we're going to be talking about it in real time. We are talking about a movie on our show, Pictures Pow Wow, the only PP show in existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we took go over films that have come recommended, and I recommended the film for today, and at the end of this discussion, we'll hear a recommendation from the listening people out there. That's right, you can recommend films to us, we put them on the list, and then eventually we get around to them. We've actually had a few recommendations recently, but we could always use more, more, more. Now, I pitched our way a film that I have not seen before, but has been of interest to me. I saw advertisements for it. I saw the poster. I've seen this litter, the Blu-ray sections of uh, JB Hi-Fi, which is a retailer down here. Whenever mm. I walk towards the animation or anime section of that store, this is usually one of the front-facing DVDs or Blu-rays. Mm. And so it always captures my attention. And so we are talking talking about the 2018 Japanese animated film Penguin Highway, which, as I stated, I'm not familiar with this until going into it today. I had no clue of what the plot was. All I saw of it was those images, and at the time, some minor word of mouth, and it was mainly about the gorgeous animation style and that it was weird in some way, shape, or form. And Mm -hmm. I really had no inkling of what I was going into, but Bartek, for for everyone out there listening, could you just give them a quick fire summary of this film? So they're coming into our podcast going, should I check out Penguin Highway? I don't know. They're probably going to get into spoilers, but before they do, could you at least tell me what it's about? A little bit of a pitch synopsis. So it's about a... Uh, a primary school boy, elementary school boy, he's a child, uh, and he is... He's 10 years old, <laughs> yes. Ryan gave me a look when I said that. Um, and he is a very smart boy, and he's really into researching mysterious things, writing down his thoughts, narrating to himself. He's a very stoic kind of boy, to almost a comical degree in a lot of points. 
Um, and he's got this, uh, he calls her Onesan, older sister character, the lady that works at a dentist that he's kind of got a crush on and he spends a lot of time with. Um, and one day, all of a sudden, you know, he's living in a normal country town. Uh, this is just a completely normal setting. All of a sudden, a bunch of penguins appear. And everyone in town's like, hey, it's pretty crazy that these penguins just appeared. Where did they go? I don't know. And, you know, for most people, it's just like, oh, that's an interesting thing to talk about. But for this researcher kid, you know, he wants to find out what's the deal with it. Where do they go? Where did they come from? And that leads him down a very, very big uh, journey of, you know, the truth getting bigger and bigger and more crazy things happening. As well as a journey of self-discovery. And a journey of self-discovery, yeah. So it's very much a childlike wonder sort of story. That spirals out into some cosmic events almost. So that is the pitch of it. And I really didn't even know that. I just knew that it had some penguins in it. And I, I didn't know if this was going to be a Studio Ghibli type affair where that 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 studio they like to they like to throw in animals into their movies because of environmental messaging or because they're cute and you can do stuff or they have some kind of cultural significance and symbolism that mm. comes with them and you have the cutesy little kid character who's having a journey of self-discovery, but it's in tandem with this magical realism world. And so I thought it lived in that vein of uh, magical fantasy land, but when it starts and it's just a regular world and the penguins just appear one by one, and uh, it doesn't go like this, but there was a little part of my brain of, you know, in a horror film, where they have those little early warning signs. It starts signs. off innocent, but there are little things here and there. Or there's little tidbits of like, oh, look over there. There's a there's a guy wandering over there in the background, and then the camera lingers while our main character walks away, and it's like something violent. It's not like that, of course, but it, it had that air of, there's a slight ominous quality, but the penguins are so damn cute that the dissonance is there. But what did you know about this film going in, and what is your opinion of it of it overall? If I had heard of this title before, it might have been just in passing and, you know, it'd been long forgotten. So, like, when you said the title at the end of last episode, I was like, I maybe I've heard of it, I don't know anything about it. Um, all I really knew walking in was I did a Google just to find out, like, oh, what was the year, you know, who's in it, what's it about, and I saw, like, what the art style looked like from the poster, and I saw on one website that I went to, like, just the tags of the film, and I saw, like, oh, sci-fi's there, okay, looks kind of normal, but I guess there's going to be some sort of twist there, maybe that's what Ryan got into, but, mm. you know, we, you seems like you didn't really know what the twist was going no. to be or anything like that. Um, so really, not all that much. I do remember, I think it was, like, literally as we stopped recording last time, I looked up the cast list on uh, on Wikipedia, and I just pointed out, like, oh, this person was in the thing we just watched not too long ago. So, <laughs> I, and I saw another name that I recognized. I'm like, okay, um, a lot of a lot of anime films that I've seen voice casts. A lot of them tend to be like normal actors playing the major characters, and there might be like one or two like proper industry voice actors that you'll hear in like anime and games. And yeah, this movie had like two to four, and then everyone else was just kind of regular actors or people or up acting. And coming or actors. up and coming, like, first-timers, yeah. That should be mentioned. This is a first, uh, this is a feature film debut for the director. They've done some shorts before. I heard in one of the reviews I looked at beforehand that they have a background in YouTube, and so some of the cast are also first-timers or up-and-coming and young and hungry and wanting to get into the game. So it, it definitely has some of that vibe in there, but mm. it, it also has a real slickness to it, uh, visually speaking. So uh, so you really not too familiar. You you actually went in with more knowledge than I did. You had a, a quick mm. Google, Google of what was ahead of you, even some of the cast, and I just went and going, I looked at the fun pictures on the DVD. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, walking in, I didn't even know if there would be penguins in it or not, if it was just like a wacky word in the title or like a metaphor. So when they did pop in like a few minutes in, I was like, okay, it is literal. Mr. Popper's penguins, yes. Mm. That's you, like 11 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> Happy 11th, Mr. Popper's penguins. <laughs> so what did you think of Penguin Highway? 
Well, Ryan, I kind of loved it. It was really charming. That's great to hear. I'm so glad because I was watching this and near the end when it got really into sci-fi nonsense, Mm. I was thinking about you and I was (laughs) thinking, how's Bartek going to feel? Because you, you, you kind of didn't gel with Ghost in the Shell because of some of its dry sci-fi-ness. And near the end of this, I was just like, they're talking about equations and theorems and all of this stuff. And I was just wondering about you going, I was here for the magical realism of the penguins. but I wasn't even there for the magical realism of the penguins. Well, though, but... Because that's how the film starts. It <laughs> yeah. has this fairy tale-like quality to it, mixed mm. with the traditional things you would expect in an anime of this era and also of the age bracket that the characters live in. You have the school bully, you have the girl who's opposition because she is very much like our main character, and then they mm. eventually have a, a begrudging friendship because they both love research. You have the older uh, le- characters, whether it is the, the 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 lady that our boy is interested in or his parents or other people's parents or the cops, and all of this is very archetypical. And then it leans into what you expect of an anime where it has cutesy animals and there's some magical stuff going on, but then it just takes a real hard left turn into, no, it's science, baby, because... There was one point where I was like, was there an upside-down house in the sky? Was that a mistake? And they're like, oh, no, that's what the film's doing now. That's what the film is doing now. (laughs) Yeah, I actually had a very mixed reaction to this overall. I, I found it a bit too generic to begin with. I, as soon as the film starts and our main character is letting us know who he is and what he does, I I, I just sat back in my seat and went, oh, this is what Bartek talks about with anime characters and TV shows. Because you and I, off mic and on mic, talk about the differences of our viewership of Japanese media. You're far more into watching shows from Japan. I'm far more into watching like the movies mm. when it comes to animation. And you talk about the recurring traits that they have, like these character types and, and uh, this little quirky thing like, oh, they... The, the protagonist, if they're really smart, they're always eating food or whatever the gimmick or thingy is. But when I watch movies, I, I just haven't really honed in on that a lot more, like as much. Mm-hmm. And so when I watch this movie and it's like the quirky kid who's super smart and he's a scientist and he's writing all the time and he's obsessed with breasts and and on and on it goes and the way he talks to everyone and the way they animate him, I was just like, oh God, this is like the classic anime boy character and then the school bullies came in and i and i just sat back when i've seen these school bullies in fucking every one of these they're never different to me <laughs> and spoiler alert they still weren't at the end they were my least favorite aspect of the movie they were very trippy not even just japanese but like western as well yes yes but I I found it a little bit off-putting at the beginning just because it was hitting all of these beats I've seen before in such a way that it didn't have that innovative quality while, say, some of the films that we've covered on this podcast have a very specific animation style or just the, the pitch of it is so headstrong from the beginning that it just grabs you. What was the name of that film? I, I'm always bad with the name of this one. The anime that you recommended about the deaf girl that gets bullied. Uh, a Silent Voice. A Silent Voice also was similar to this, but it comes at you in at the in the jugular right away with its premise that is just so arresting. While this one, it's a slow burn. It really takes its time. So mm, It builds I, up to its point. Yeah. This is one where I'm happy that I didn't talk about it after watching it straight away because my appreciation for the film is growing as more time has passed. But coming out of it, I was just I, I, I would have said this is my least favorite anime we've done on, <laughs> wow. on, on the podcast. Fair but, enough, yeah. Um, I don't think that's true. I mean, it's no Rutsuki Doji, but... I didn't know you were counting Rutsuki Doji in that initial impression. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I, I thought about that after I said the worst anime. I'm like, no, we did a Rutsuki well, Doji. Ryan must have really loved that gym scene at the beginning. But, uh, uh, so, tell me a bit more about your watching of this. 
Uh, yeah, where to, where to start? Uh, well, one thing with the main character being introduced, so it was obvious that they were going for like a stoic-y sort of protagonist, child, uh, precocious. Uh, and when it comes to precocious children, that's a archetype that can go very wrong if you don't do it right. And I, coming out of this film, I was really, really happy with how they did it with this kid. It, um, to relate it to a movie we've done not too long ago, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler, where in that film, and in our review, we were talking about how, like, oh, it, the film really kind of nailed this sort of obsession that kids can have or, like, interests mm. and have that be their whole thing. This isn't a world where, you know, everyone is into stamps, everyone's into the card game everyone battles with. It's like this kid is living in a real world and he's really into research. And the film at the very beginning, like, really goes in-depth showing you the the many different ways that he does that. So it's like, you know, there are, you know, normal scientific things that he researches, but then there's also, like, the early signs of he's almost into puberty is also getting yeah. researched. Um, the way that he talks to people uh, gives off that impression. And that reminded me of like a sort of better version of a film that we did many years ago now, uh, Book of Henry, where I remember in that episode. He is Book of Henry, but less weird. And that's, that's kind of what I'm And going- that's saying a lot because Henry wasn't a pervert. Yeah. Well, our main character is a pervert, but in the way that it's a coming of age he, story, he, this he is a boy be. developing <laughs> into into puberty as you said yeah. he has he hasn't even hit puberty yet but he is in the mental state because he's so developed mentally that he's already kind of skipped ahead a few yeah. years but physically and he, and he doesn't and he doesn't understand like why am i so into these breasts like my mum has them and i'm not into those why am i into <laughs> these ones um but what i was going to say was i remember distinctly in that episode when we were doing the recording I just off the cuff said like, oh yeah, you know, Henry's like an autistic child, very smart. And I remember you came at me saying like, no, no, he's, I just thought he was a smart kid. And I was thinking about that on the bus ride over here. And I was wondering like, I guess that film was so messy that, and, and the characters acted so weirdly, even outside of that character that it kind of, you know, didn't clearly identify what is up with this character because I was pointing out things in that film mm. where it's like, well, how well do you remember how he responded to this character in a very, you know, analytical way? Like he was quoting her. Yeah, yeah that felt atypical. Atypical. It's like where it's like, do you, do you know why you have to talk to people normally? Because it's going to impact my social development or something like that. I'll give this kid this too. Although I found him abrasive. He wasn't that arrogant of a precocious child either, in my no. eyes. He he had his moments. What I really loved at the beginning, just to touch on things you're going through, is instead of having like what Henry did when it comes to those lacking social skills, he had just such a childish philosophy, but it was articulated in a very mature way. So how he viewed romance almost was a scientific approach to destiny and fate, which as a viewer with my own ideals and my own uh, opinions and also culturally different as well, I looked at him as, oh, you silly little boy. But as the film developed, it, it did challenge his viewpoints at several times. But but yeah, and and he wasn't like you know standout protagonist guy where it's like oh man that's the class that Henry's in. He's like mm-hmm. a genius. He does his mom's taxes and stuff like that. No, no one respects this kid in that way where it's like oh he's yeah. such a boy genius. In fact, there are people who say I'm I'm smarter than him. By the way, yeah, and it's the kind of character where like. If another kid was the protagonist, he would be like, oh, that qu- that smart supporting character kind of guy. And he, yeah, he doesn't stand out too much as being like the smart guy. And he's also not like the big outcast. Like the bullies have it in for him for uh, esoteric reasons. But yeah, he he's smart. He's got this interesting quirk of being into research and he isn't, uh, yeah, just bully target. The the just to reference one thing again, uh, and then we'll move back into discussing the film's merits mm-hmm. on its own. This did a relationship that I've seen in some animes as well, but it 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 even though 
when you actually step back from the movie, it wasn't the most developed relationship. His friendship with the other boy, the the, the nerdy kid with the glasses, um, yeah. what was their name? Uh, Uchida. Uchida, where he's, he even says in the dental office, like, I feel sorry for him. Mm. Uh, his, his, his relationship with that kid was really well done, where there was never this sense of hierarchy between the two of them. I never felt that he looked down at this guy yeah. or looked at this guy as the quote-unquote hands or muscle to do what he needs yeah, to be he done. He wasn't hands or muscle. He wasn't dead weight. He wasn't, He was just know, a friend. Yeah. They were just, and he brought out the kidsy side to our main character who, in other contexts, does not appear like a child, even though you are reminded constantly that he is. His mentality is just so so high up there that you, you in a way, look at him as a small adult, which is the, the fun of the film is how much it plays with you when it comes to that. But his relationship with his childhood friend there reminds me of a better version, like better done version of um, Evangelion, where in Evangelion he has two dipshit high school friends, mm. one of them who actually becomes a pilot and gets fucked up. But I'm thinking of the other one who's like the dorky one with the glasses, yeah. who in the show. They had like one or two episodes about his life and how he lived in the woods and he liked to go camping and he wanted to be a soldier. And I don't even remember that. This, yeah. this happened. And it was never really, it never felt like a real friendship. But the, 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 the premise of their friendship, like when you put it on paper, feels like this one here. But this one just, even though it's a minimal amount of screen time in the film, I think it did a, a significant job of helping us attach ourselves to the main character who, as I stated, I found him a little bit too too much. I think he brought in a lot of baggage that, uh, you know, a layman as myself, and at this point, can I even say I'm a layman of anime movies? I've watched a good amount. I've watched more than you when it comes well, I mean, to anime that's, movies. that's the thing. Like, when it comes to anime films, you've actually seen more than me. Yeah, but I, I guess I just don't know the all of the archetypes, yeah. tropes, I, cliches I will say, like you do. I will say when we've done like anime films on the podcast, the only one so far that really went in for a lot of normal tropes has been a silent voice. And I could tell in our episode there, it's like, oh yeah, Ryan's not really clicking with a lot of the normal stuff there. This film has it to a lesser degree than that one, but I can, yeah, mm. I can see what you're saying. Yes. But uh, like, uh, like, said before, Silent Voice came in immediately with its unique premise. So mm. I didn't have to take as long to warm up to it. This one, that is what it wants of me. But I will uh, say with, with just again on the Uchida character, there was a point in the film where, you know, our main character was taking on different research projects and there was quite a while where he wasn't really researching with that friend mm -hmm. character. And I was, I was noticing that I'm like, oh, we're not getting that character anymore. And then the friend comes back and says, like, oh, I've been researching this one thing. I'm like, oh, okay. They actually kind of yeah. had a point to it. They had a point. But I can safely say, even just beginning this conversation, my feelings are warming up to it a lot more. It's just one of those ones where, and, and you've had this many times over as well with a film or a television show of, once you've even spent an hour away from it, or maybe a day or a week or a month or a year, who knows, you just have such a boosted spirit about it. It, it's, it worked its magic on me slowly but surely. And so mm. uh, I liked how the film didn't have many penguins in it for a while. There's <laughs> A lot of the reviews are dumb for this movie, by the way. They're <laughs> oh, like, yeah? I wanted more penguins. There okay. wasn't enough penguins. I did that. The film wasn't using it as a crutch of like, oh, cute appeal. Yeah, and I I was also wanting to talk to you about the animation style, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get your opinion because we have discussed uh, several like a few different decades of animation from Japan now. And when we did Ghost in the Shell, I was talking to you about how I really love this era of Japanese animation yeah. where it's gritty, it just has this certain texture to it, this grime factor, the character designs, the just shading. the shading of it. And, uh, and in comparison to nowadays where everything is so bright and clean and mm. digital and mixed with 3D and 2D or 3D that looks like 2D. And that's exactly what this film is. It's very clean. It's very shiny, bright. 
the the way that they blend 3D shots into two what looks like 2D shots is very immaculate. And when they do have 3D environments, they really go out of their way to do what you can with them. You mentioned like a house floating upside down. By the end of the movie, the camera is just zooming through all of these 3D yeah. houses and and things floating around and. I wanted to get your thoughts on the animation of this film. What did you think of it overall? It was really nice. It was fluid for the most part. Like like we were saying before, it does fall into uh, you know everyday lifey kind of things. Like with normal things are happening there, but when you do start getting the fantastical slash sci fi stuff, it is a lot more jarring. Like you see that sphere of water, mm-hmm. the ocean, like it juts out with a spike. Um, the way that the penguins turn into like water when they disappear. That was my die. favorite piece of animation when they took that one penguin out on the train, mm. getting further away from the sea and further away, and then let it out into the train station, and it just eventually evaporated and exploded. That yeah. was real. I really adored that. Yeah, everything from like the ending sequence where they're like just going crazy, like they're riding on a bunch of penguins through just trippy town. Um, the transformations of like the cans into the penguins. Mm. Like, there's a lot of really nice stuff there, and like the Jabberwocky it, and the cement. The Jabberwocky and the cement. Yeah, whenever something non-natural, unreal happens, it really kind of gets highlighted from the fact that the rest of the film is so normal. Yeah, I I took a look at this, and I was surprised about how different it looked and felt to me than what the poster does or what the DVD or the pictures of it do. The the pictures on the promotional artwork have a bit more of that later years Studio Ghibli feel to it, like when Marnie was there. And so I was expecting that style a bit more. And so when I came in and it came like it came to me more like uh the the guy who does uh Suzume and uh Makoto something. Yeah, and it and it had a bit more of that sheen to it. Yeah, I, I don't remember but the I, poster I, fully, but I remember it gave me that vibe of like your name and Suzume. But the character designs I find more appealing than the character designs in his work. Mm. That's just a personal preference. I just I connect with these characters on a visual level a bit more so, and. <laughs> I had a good giggle uh, when I looked at the poster again. There's a little, there's a, there's a little hint in the poster that I didn't realize was going to be pivotal to the film, which is when I look at the poster again, and I implore you to have a look as well if you want. Mm. Her breasts are bouncing in the poster, and so <laughs> when I watched the film, and it's all very much revolves around around her breasts. I actually had a moment of panic where I thought, oh no, don't tell me that the penguin energy is about her breasts. <laughs> That's, there was a, a that's moment, kind of valid though, based on yeah, what was being talked about in the there film. There was a moment where, when the when the can happened, when he threw when they threw the can up, and it became a penguin, and that was the first real time we saw it. And then they experimented again, and they were trying to replicate it. I I, I said in my notes, you're missing one part of the replication process: staring at her tits. Yeah, and 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 were I was expect- wondering if they were going to bring that up. You were waiting for the line of, huh? Are her breasts smaller? They did mention that. <laughs> oh, he did say like if, if, if you, you don't, don't eat, eat more, your breasts will get smaller. Which yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh, Ryan said yes. He confirms that's real science. That's real science. That's factual science. I saw it in a film, <laughs> but uh, uh, that was that was amusing. But I I really did like how they had this new style to it. The the three D I thought looked great when they did have it, especially helped emphasize architecture. I was really looking at the city when they had those looks at the cityscape or the town and the buildings. There was just something about them that really popped, and it was because the camera was moving around and we were getting more of a three-dimensional look at it as it was spinning around, and I just really appreciated how how it was done. And I I also loved we I don't know if you had a favorite character via what they were drawn to look like their design, but my favorite was the researcher dad, the one who mm. was the father of the little girl. Yeah, I really liked his style. He just he had this gruff, grimy, these big fingers, this lump. The way he walked, his 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 walk. And a cycle and animation was really well yeah, done. He's got a he, bit of a dad bod, so he's got a bit of weight 
being yeah. thrown around. Yeah, and, and he walks with a purpose at the same time. So I liked his first scene because there were a lot of elements that was like, oh, this is an adult version of our main character mm-hmm. where he's kind of got a similar vacant expression. He's also obsessed with research and it's like, oh, your daughter's into someone with similar qualities to you, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favourite uh, design? Uh, Design-wise, uh, I'm not necessarily. I guess the dad is good design. Um, I did like how the, not my favourite design, but how the Onesan character, the big sister, um, you know, it's eventually revealed like she's not human. She's from another world of some sort. You know, the, the, the details are still a little bit vague. They tease you that she may be an alien. Yeah, but the way that the film portrays her, and I guess the animation is part of it too, not just the art, she did feel quite Ghibli-esque in that way. Like there yes. is this kind of weird Ghibli-esque, manic pixie girlish energy to her, which kind of leads into a lot of the reveals. Like she's very much larger than life in a lot of ways. You got a lot of characters in this film, you know, acting very normally. Other workers at the dentist office are like, yep, this is our job. You got the teacher who's, you know, being a teacher. It's like, all right, guys, sitting down, don't turn on the TV. Parents are being parents. And yeah, she she's got this energy to her. And I do like how um, yeah, this kind of rounded look to her uh kind of leads into reveals about her later on. She also wore vibrant primary colours that mm make you just look at her as something that stands out. Mm. And so... And yeah, and the design had this weird thing where, like, on her chest, there were these two things jutting out. Yeah, I think they they were um, they were just... Uh, her sweater was just real tight mm. in I don't her know, area. I don't speak Japanese. I kept saying some word like opai. I don't know. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Bartek, for your so subtle little commentary there. What are you talking about? I'm just a stoic little boy pointing things My out. My favourite scenes were when they were playing chess. I really liked the, that recurring thing in the story, and it was something as a visual marker as well as uh, of his progression as a person. Mm. They they played around with that of when he was regressing, uh, like when he got sick, <laughs> in the movie um the the chess pieces were her winning and then as he got more mature more level-headed a little bit more wise he was winning in the game so mm. that was really just subtle i noticed it, it was but... yeah that was i wasn't looking at the placements that much i was just mm. seeing how many pieces are left like okay it's been a while yeah and then I want to go over the sci-fi fantasy aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So this lives in that vein of a slice of life, coming of age, maybe even a tinge of the school setting. Mm-hmm. And then the penguins arrive and there's still that level of, oh, how cute. I, a detail that we haven't discussed that I really appreciated was People people were minorly interested in the penguins, but it was not really anything to them. And I, I, I like that. These kids get all wowed about the penguins and then they move on because eh, they're there. We, yeah, with a lot of the adult characters, because they interview a couple, like the old man, the lady, the man driving the van, stuff like that. It's very much like, oh, what was I doing at the time? And it really surprised me. But most of the scenes we get are of like the children in the classroom, not even like the main children, just like talking about how, wow, wow how crazy it was. These penguins, they're so cute. The bully character's like, yeah, they're not that big a deal trying to be, you know, a big tough guy. And our main character, obviously, you know, starting the plot. And then over time, people just got used to the penguins being there, and then they moved on. And then, oh, now there's new monsters, and the bully found a weird little creature, and it has a a hand coming out of it. That was a great piece of work, by the way, the, that that weird little Jabberwocky creature that the, one of the kids found. Yeah, like the fishy version yeah, of it. <laughs> yeah, but... We, we we go through the story and then eventually new creatures, new scenarios form and a bunch of our characters team up together to form a research group. There's this giant bowl of water. I, I, they, they, they go through the forest. There's this bit where, oh, there's something happening in the forest. Let's go through there and let's break beyond that barrier. Yeah. 
And there was like a there was a rumor being circulated early on that like, oh, if you go deep in the forest, you'll find like the silver moon or something mm. like that. And then the the film opens a new door with that. You unlock something. We go beyond that forest, and there's this this open, vacant, wonderful field, and it's rolling, and it feels like it goes on forever. Yeah, it's like oh, this you wouldn't find this in like a forest in a town. Like, what's going on here? And it's that 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 beauty of child childhood, where you as a child stumbled across something and it feels like you are you are the one that found it this is your sanctuary yeah. this is your magical place and this is what these group of kids have they they have this place and there's this big bowl of water there and let's study it and is it aggressive what do we do with the penguins in relation to this yeah. it must all be connected how in does some this re- way how does this react to this so tell me a bit about what it was like when the film started to raise the stakes, I guess, when it came to this side of it all, because you do spend a good, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of just, ah, this quirky, precocious kid has an infatuation with an older girl who may be connected to the penguins in some way. Oh, look, she turned one uh, can of drink into one. But then... She might have a connection. She might have a connection. And then, bam, you just open up a whole floodgate mm. of weird, wild stuff. Mm. Well, yeah, one key word to point out here, and this is something that, you know, always keeps me hooked, is there is a mystery in the film. And the film very much has the research be the form that the mystery takes place. And we have to research what's happening to discover, uh, you know, re- research how all this is working to find out what is happening behind the scenes. And there's obviously going to be some sort of payoff at the end. Um, so even though when at the end it did become, you know, very over the top and sci-fi, there was a there was like mixed feelings of like, ah, oh, the mystery's over. I really enjoyed that ride, but also, oh, but this is like a really big payoff, so I can accept this. Um, and we do it does take a little while after they discover the field and the sphere and they team up with the girl, the Hannah Moto, I think her name was. Um, there is a little while where like the penguin stuff gets put to the side and they're doing this new research. And then eventually it's you realize, oh, there's a link between them. But, you know, us as savvy viewers were like, okay, we're waiting for the link to happen. We know, we know there's got to be a link between the mysterious water penguins and the sphere of water in the field. <laughs> <laughs> and the reveal of it is well done in its, in its defense. Once you do get to how it all connects, it's very satisfying yes. as, as a viewer. And... I agree. There was a moment in the in the middle portion where it, it lost me for a bit. Where I went, okay, we're no longer dealing with the penguins. We're dealing with this thing. Uh, our main character has now got a new set of friends, basically, mm. and new goals. Uh, where are we going here? But it all loops back loops back around. There's that. There's that little part of me that wants to neg the film and wants to jab at it and just be very flippant because this does involve, in a way, a romance between a child and a full-grown adult woman. Mm -hmm. She invites him out on a nice little date to another town and they go on the train and then eventually, like the penguin from before, she starts to get ill and... And and a part of me wants to be very flippant about that, just be like, oh, weird Japanese stuff, added it again, like many reviews of this film tend to do. But uh, as as stated, she's not real. She's not a real person. She's not a real woman. She's she's an idea. She's a concept. She is. She doesn't even fully know what she is because she has these memories and she even points out, like, I don't know if they're real or not. And when you look at it in the confines of of the narrative that's exactly it but when you look at it from a metatextual point of view and an analytical point of view she serves uh, as a function for our main character to grow up a bit because he walks into this film saying i figured out life this is how many days it is until I'm an adult. And once I'm an adult, I can finally do what I need to do. But I've figured it out. And this woman over here is going to be with me in the future because that's how it is. And I'm not going to let that go. And 
by the end of this, he has to let her go. He has to move to a different point in his maturity. And yes, hopefully in the future, he will be able to get with this woman. And whether it is specifically this woman or the idea of actually being able to attain a mature, healthy, and yes, even sexual relationship with another person is in the cards for for this this boy. But you get too focused on some of the Japanese isms of it all, where it's like, yes, we've got to animate the tits bouncing, and we've got to have many shots of the breasts, and our main character will just recommend to other people why have you looked at boobs they make you feel better <laughs> i love there was this one scene where he like he was asking his like questions very sincerely to his friend and his friend was just like blushing like we shouldn't be talking about this that's a boob cake <laughs> is that what they're really called <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, many funny so lines. funny but there was also there was another one it was um this was a scene with her when they were playing chess it was when she pointed out, like, you're staring at my breast, you've got to be staring at the board. She made two assertions of him. The first one was like, you were staring at my breast and also this. And he responded in his stoic way with like, no, I wasn't. And yes, I was. <laughs> to like answer both of them. She got very confused for a second. Yes. That really got me. What are your what are your takes on on, on this being a, a sticking point for, for people? Because it's one that on a gut level I want to have because... When I do watch Japanese stuff, there is just a different value set that I just don't know how to reconcile. And I had that with this movie, but by the end of it, in my opinion, I think they were going far more for a direct metaphorical approach. But they did dabble in in some of the things that we would find a bit more taboo. What do you what do you what are your takes on all of that? Well, uh, first of all, Japan has a word for it. So um, when you have uh, works that are dealing with like a relationship between like you know attractive older girl and a younger boy, um, it's it's not really an official word. It's a word that I've seen online. It's one shota. So one meaning big sister, shota meaning it's basically the male equivalent of Lolita, little mm-hmm. boy. Um, and a lot of works that get created, you know, using this honest shot of stuff does get kind of fetishy. Some of them are a bit more downplayed. This one is incredibly downplayed. You, this is, you know, precocious crush level. It's, it, I, it, this one isn't that significant, but certainly for people that aren't familiar with it, you know, this does, you know, raise flags. So if, if it bothers you, you know, that's valid. It's from a different sort of culture. Um, but on at the end of the day, it isn't it isn't the far extreme. What did you get out of their relationship? Well, I like I said, uh, it complements the sort of personality that our main character has. Of this is a coming of age story, or or even like the beginning of a coming of age story, because like I said, he's not at puberty yet. He's just vaguely starting to recognize things. He's asking questions. Um, you know, and he's extending his questions to his friend, not understanding that, like, oh, some people might find this embarrassing to talk about. Um, but for him, it, it is so far still at a scientific level. Like, there's even another conversation where he has with the little girl character where, you know, she's accusing him of, you know, only liking her because she has breasts. And he's like, well, I do like her breasts, but I like her for reasons other than that. It's like, so you admit, it's like, yes, she does. She has big ones, in fact. Hmm. And for him, it is just very matter of fact, like, yes, and I'm, I'm working all this out. Clearly, she's at a bit more of a, a little bit of a further maturity stage where she recognizes, like, oh, this is like a deeper attraction. Like, we, I, I mean, I guess you could say indirectly it happens, but we never really have a scene where he, like, admits, like, oh, I, I'm, I'm in love or anything like that. Mm. It is still always at this working things out stage. Yes, yes. And I really liked how, you know, with this character that we have, the Onesan character, it uh, it, it complements the, the way our main character thinks about things. There's always a fine line to walk, no matter the culture, of telling... Uh, uh, this type of tale because this is reality in a way. We, you know, as 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 people ourselves who had to go through that that transition of being a child who didn't look at the world or uh, people through through a prism of 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 a sexual variety or, or romantic variety, 
and then you eventually you know you 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 do see that or you at least understand how society frames things from that point of view often and it's a it's a thing that as a as a child going through it you feel unequipped to deal with because who tells you about how to handle those things are you going to ask your parents that's awkward are you getting it from your movies and shows maybe and so having a movie like this really sink its teeth into this awkward period of life where we've all many people have gone through it and they don't know how to articulate it they don't know what to really they don't have the tools to help them uh navigate it even if they're in, in a genius like this kid or, or this kid at least assumes he's a genius that's an aspect too where i like and i said it earlier but i like that you don't get the full amount of evidence to provide like to provide it to us that he is an unusually genius level kid that is like it's super god there are other kids that how his peers that are also clever and smart. Yeah, it's they're just not acting like they're the best person in the universe about it. It's like when I was watching the film, I was making comparisons between this main character and the main character of like Bad Genius, where mm. they have the competency. And I did note to myself, like, oh, we ne- we never actually see you know the grades that they get or like how they do in schoolwork. But it's just like the things that he's going through in the film, he is clearly at a competent level, or at least a competent level of being able to think through things. And that's really what counts and for the film. I, I, I also look at him as a person who knows how to articulate things in a way that makes him sound smarter to his, in relative to his age. But as I stated at the beginning... There was many things he was saying that I just looked at and went, oh, you silly little boy. <laughs> you think you're so smart. Because, I mean, you're a teacher and you know this. There are some kids out there who want to come across as more mature and in- intellectual, mm-hmm. more socially adept than what they maybe are. And maybe they are more than than you would give them credit for, but it's like you're still a child, though. Yeah, I've met a couple. Yeah, you're still a child. Don't 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 think that you're you're you've got the wisdom of someone even I, older. I will than say yourself. I have met one seven year old girl who can really articulate herself quite well. <laughs> there you go. Is there anything else you want to touch upon in Penguin Highway? Um, there probably are some things, but I can't think of them. So I'll go to this. So I, I mentioned before that there were some voice actors in the film that I recognized. Um, I walked in knowing some of them were in it, but I didn't remember which characters they were. And I was trying to pick them out. So one of them is, and I think they might be the most prolific of the voice actresses in terms of like mm. what they've done in anime and manga and uh, not manga games and stuff. Um, and I was like, well, which character are they? And they were the 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 friend with the glasses. Oh. I was like, oh, wow, you, this very huge voice actress for, you know, a character who is a proper supporting character, yeah, but like recurring. very much, very much not in the spotlight. I'm like, that's very interesting. Yeah, Kugimiya Rie is the name. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones that I knew were the, our main character's mum, who doesn't appear too much. We've actually heard her in a film before. Oh, yes. In a similarly minor role. Way back in uh, Tokyo Godfathers, she was the nurse daughter of Gin. Oh. Yeah, Mamiko Noto. Wonderful. Yeah, she's got a really nice voice. I, she didn't have too many scenes in this one, so I in this film, so I didn't quite pick it out. The mother was talked about a lot, but rarely seen. Yeah. Very deliberate. That's one thing to bring up, the parents. Um, And yeah, the little sister is also a voice actress I know who has been around for about a decade. She's got a nice squeaky little voice. And I think that voice actress also did the penguin that disappeared at the station when I was looking up further. It's like, oh, double roll. Just to talk about the voice acting a little bit, I did find it distracting. Mm. how clear it was that our main character was a woman at this point that i can't be faced by that anymore i know you can't (laughs) but in comparison to the ones that we've covered where there's been younger boy characters i just found that this one stood out a lot more to me yeah it was just a lot more apparent even to to my ear which doesn't 
have the ability to pick up this as 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 quickly like you do. I just I found it amusing that it immediately I was like, oh, is this a girl? And then it's like, no, it's a boy, Ryan. It's a boy. I'm like, okay, you know, sounds like a girl though. There was one other thing that I was comparing this film to in my head as I was watching, and it's not something we've done on the podcast because it's not a movie. Um, so as as you know, and you know, you mentioned Ghost in the Shell, and I talked about it there. I got into Gundam last year. Mm. And I think so far still my favorite one that I have watched is just a six-episode one from the 80s called 0080 War in the Pocket. Like, lately we've been watching, like, anime together sometimes, and this is one that I'm like, yeah, down the line, you know, six episodes, knock it out real quick. Oh, yeah. And it's just a really phenomenal, forget giant robot stuff, just phenomenal anime, six episodes long, and it's about a primary school boy who does have, like, a sort of obsessive... Thing with like, oh, I love giant robots, and there's like a girl in his class that he has a dynamic with, and he's got a friendship with an older character. It's a guy in this one, so it's not mm. romantic or anything. Um, and in that one, he is voiced by a male. Oh, so it's like, oh, Ryan will actually appreciate that, and, appreciate and it's actually, that. and it's one where it's like, this is one of his early roles, and now he's a really big voice actor. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, the space-time continuum is at peril in this film. We didn't mention the big thing of the movie. The, the mm-hmm. like we said that it gets a sci. It is tagged with sci-fi, but it really leans into it at the back half of this. That that the penguins are here to repair the damage, and the the ocean is it. And you have to. It's basically sewing up the fabric of reality as we know it. And somebody wrote on Letterbox that this is a better version of the film Annihilation, which is a film that was on Netflix, and the premise of that is uh, a random debris from space has fallen to Earth, and it's infected this town, and it's put a bubble around it, and everything's being recontextualized. Like, you go in, and, oh, look, there's a sh- there's an alligator, but with shark teeth, and there's a bear, but it has a human voice, and, like, it's just always redesigning everything, hmm. and the closer you get to the center, the more alien it becomes, and people are referencing that in relation to this, but what I thought of even though I have not played the game, and Bartek, you may play it soon, it's in your collection, it made me think of Death Stranding at points Mm -hmm. in the back half, where that has whales, while this has penguins. Okay. That's what I'll say. That one's more (laughs) obsessed with whale imagery and its relation to the sci-fi dystopia world it lives in, while this here is penguins are just the little warning sign of the armageddon that this could bring upon the universe if it isn't fixed by one hot dental assistant oh, kojima what are you doing there because i don't know if you remember this but before metal gear Solid 5 was first announced it was just you got a tra- teaser trailer that was just like vaguely hospital scenes and it was like this is a new game from this new company called moby dick studios and at the end of the trailer this giant whale that was on fire mm. was in the sky it's like what is this game yes so it's like, oh, now his next game also has big whales. That's yeah, interesting. He loves whales. Mm. But uh, that is mainly what I have to go on with this film. I, yeah. Oh, and the music was good. We didn't we didn't yeah. highlight that. I like it, the lyrics of the credits song. I watched that. <laughs> I watched the credits song. I, I actually did enjoy the, the lyrics and the actual song. It uh, The music was very whimsical. Mm. So I can see that being a turn-off for people as well because it very much is the... It's very smacking of the keys. At times it does have that... They could have played the the classic YouTube ukulele song or whatever it is. <laughs> but I thought it was a character in itself and it worked with the what the tone of this film was going for. I have a question about the film. Yes. Does the main character live with both his parents? That is a great question. Is the answer no? I don't know. That, I thought it was yes. I that, thought he was. I thought the mum was in the same house. I I don't remember because I had points throughout the film. It's like, oh yes, our main character lives with his dad. And then I had another point. I was like, oh, our main character lives with his mum. It's like, wait, have they shared a scene together? No. It's well, like, did like, any of the family members share scenes together? Well, the mother and the sister. The, yeah, I was gonna say that that was it. Where. The sister was crying, it just, it just and he felt was like, there, and then the mother came in. Because every time he talked to his dad, it felt like he was in another universe, like he was in like Kojima Suda universe, where it's like his dad is just very blasé about things, but also like giving him advice, things no, like no, no, that. Giving him chocolate. Giving him chocolate. Oh, and coffee. And coffee. And advice. 
it's so amusing that you said that because it was this moment where our main character was thinking about himself and the future and then it cut to his dad and I thought that it was like, oh, is this him in the future and he's become his dad or maybe he was always his, you know, because it's sci-fi and it literally references the distortion of time is the thing specifically that the penguins are dealing with. I'm like, oh, was he him, his dad all along? Whatever, because, you know, if this movie did that, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but... I, I didn't even give it a, a single thought if it, his parents were late, together or not. But later that, on, I started thinking about it. Yeah, because I just hmm. like, did they share a scene? Did they ever talk about it? I don't know. I'd have to look at the scene again with the mother and see how the architecture of the house looks because we saw a good amount of the house he lived in. Mm. But it also could be that fuckery thing of some of the time we saw him in his mum's house and some of the time we saw him in the dad's house. I, you, you got me on the edge of my seat yeah. now. I don't know. I didn't even <laughs> question that. Edge of the seat. That's actually a good phrase. That was me throughout the film. Just I was really on the edge of my seat the whole time. Oh, I'm so glad that this this yeah. went over well the with you. The, the only really big criticism I have is I feel like they could have done more with the girl character. Which one? Oh, he's like the, the colleague. Yeah, the Hanamoto, the one voiced yeah. by Akko. Really? Okay, interesting. I, yeah. I really liked her, so I was happy no, with I what did, they I did. did. With, I, was ha- I was happy with what they did with her. Yeah, I, I she just... Was a, she was like a surprise. I was like, mm. oh, you're an actual character in this story. Okay, oh, the, the I'm way, on board. The way she was introduced, I knew she would have a purpose later on, and I was happy when they got there. But again, that, that coincided with moving away from the penguin research. Mm. And then once things started clicking together, like we, we even had a montage before they clicked together. It's like, oh, they were hanging out throughout the days. They went to the Obon Festival. Mm. I really like the music in that one. I oh, like yes. Obon Festival music's good. Um, but then, yeah, there came the point where like she had the problem with the big sister character. She started to be a bit more distant. And then when the dad, because he gets trapped in like the alternate dimensions mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, she kind of steps aside in the story and leaves it for our main character and the big sister to fix everything. And it felt mm-hmm. like kind of almost like her purpose was served and now she needs to be saved in a way by the main character. Well, that's the sadness of a film like this is you do bring in the ensemble, but it's still about the main character and their mm. woes. So. I mentioned it before, but that's Evangelion, where I love every character in Evangelion, basically, but the long and skinny of it is they eventually fade into the background because they serve their purpose so that our main boy can cry and do something. Mm. And that's very much the same here, where the bully characters serve their purpose of, oh, in the end, he was there to help fight that cop guy and pull his balls, and then that was really it. And... And and same with her as a character was like, oh, my dad gets trapped in the dimension and that pushes you to finally let go of the relationship that you've been coveting throughout this entire film. And so sadly, it is one of those things mm. where it isn't as huge of an issue, but if you look at films deeply like we do, it, it is a little bit more transparent than it ought to be. Mm. And I can understand that. I, I'm sorry, but I just... The bullies were the weakest part of this. They did. I did not need them. <laughs> they added nothing to my enjoyment of the film. But even even though he did pull the testicles of that one guy, <laughs> I did get a chuckle out of that. But even then, I just said she could have. You know, anyone could have done that. I don't know. I don't need the bullies. They suck. You you could have cut most of this. You could have got know. rid of them. They it, were. It it was the most familiar stock standard. It was the most familiar territory, and you and know, they we, didn't we, reinvent them at yeah. the end. They uh, didn't. And, turn them and, around yeah, in any way. And reminder, listening people, we talked about it all the time on Unappreciated Masterpieces. It's a fun archetype. It is a fun archetype. Go back to but, our first episode. But that is Penguin Highway. I recommend it. I do too. It is a film that can be challenging to people if you are not as accustomed to this style of storytelling, if you're not really in the wheelhouse of anime it is weird. It can be uh, confronting at times with, like we said, some of the values that is in here. But heck, even for, for someone like myself, if you asked me if this was something worth recommending when the credits were rolling, I wouldn't have said yes. I would have said no. So Ooh. this is something that 
give it a watch and see how you feel about it and let it marinate let it let it just go over you what what do you say Bartek? would you would you pitch this to somebody would you recommend this to people i would recommend it to people in general yeah uh, one of the points that i was thinking while watching it though was like and we talked about it in our review here now where it's like oh it's it's capturing all these things about growing up in childhood that like people could really attach themselves to and even children and it is this thing where it's like, oh, yeah, this would be a great film for children, but it also does have some of the values dissonance where it's like, ah, uh, but, you know, will, will the... And I was thinking about it on the bus, like, oh, I was generalizing them as, like, the Helen Lovejoys, like, oh, he's into breasts, like, they can't watch this for children. But even lower levels than that, like, it is from a different culture and there are certain things that some people might not acclimatize themselves to, so... Uh, certainly for Japanese children, you know, absolutely watch this film. And for, yeah, people late childhood, teenage years, yeah, watch it. It's, it's, I think it's a really charming film. And for a mystery film that does, you know, veer into science territory a lot, the way our main character describes everything, thinks them through, writes everything down, it was kind of easy to follow. And even though there were actually quite a lot of things that he discovers or notices that doesn't quite directly relate to, uh, you know, how everything unfurls. Like, oh, uh, there was, uh, it's like when when the when the friend character discovered that the river loops. Oh yes, that was just a thing that in the end ended up being you know a byproduct of the weirdness. It didn't directly tie into like oh because it loops and this and this and this. <laughs> There's just a lot of things that like vaguely relate to other things they learned. Like oh the edge of the world, but if it's a sphere, it's round. It must be high up. And it's like oh this thing loops as well. So it's like a lot of ideas are being related, but aren't necessarily like puzzle pieces you have to come back to. So yeah. it gets the mind rolling, at least it did for me. This, if I had to relate it to two other films, I, I think of one of the, I, I do believe it was a Ghibli, one of the last Ghiblis that they did was uh, when Marnie was there. Mm. Uh, and we said it before, but Your Name. I also think about Your Name. But what this doesn't have in comparison to to Your Name, because Your Name has some of this coming-of-age sexual stuff, but this is very understated, emotionally speaking. Uh, your name, and even when Marnie was there, I feel has far more of an emphasis on having that a big emotional roller coaster ride for the characters and for us, the viewers. While I didn't walk away from this having like that wow, it really hit me in the gut or the heart, like I, I did with those films, but that is not. A weakness of this. I, I think it perfectly is in line with who our main character is, who is as a person emotionally stunted and understated, but he still has them. That's the important thing. So yes, recommend the film overall. Now, it is time to hear what is up for recommendation for the next episode, Bartek. Yes, it is. And it is time to bring out the pin that I put in at the beginning. Do you oh, remember the pin? Yes, it was a film, uh, Mario. Super Mario Brothers. So we're doing a film called The Mission, which oh, is yep. a Robert De Niro Catholic movie. And the director of that film, he was a producer and one of the original screenwriters for the Super Mario Brothers movie. As a producer and screenwriter? Yes, original screenwriter. So he okay. was a producer, and he was one of the people that was brought on to write a script for the Super Mario Brothers movie, but then that movie got rinsed and- So he potentially laid the foundation, the yes. basis. He was one of the early people on there, and so he stuck around as a producer. So it's kind of amusing, because I looked up this director. I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but I'll make sure for the next episode. But he is a very grounded- Director, he did the Killing Fields, and I have not seen the mission. You have, right? Correct. I I think I saw it in school. Yes, you referenced it in one of our discussions where yeah, yeah, that, uh, a that kid was what, in your year said that it yeah, was pretty that dog was with when one of the American or foreign guests we had yeah. were explaining the, uh, the saying. Yeah, yeah, we we're explaining the uh, loving phrase of calling things dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that dog thing. act. I've definitely seen it, but I mostly remember the beginning because so, of reasons I've already given. We will be talking about the mission starring Robert. 
De Niro. My stepbrother recommended that, right? Yes. Machek? Yes. Machek recommends. Machek, that's your like, third up, or fourth film. Of it's yours. up to you, Machek. You gave us the the ability, and now we must watch we, we it want to in be, the name of Christ. We are desperado to be bedazzled again. Thank you. Uh, until next time, listening people, you can contact us via our email, which is... Spitandpolished at gmail.com. That is where you can hit us up and let us know your thoughts on things that we have discussed and recommend films to us, yeah. and we put it on that list. And you can find us everywhere else, like on X, Y, and even Z. Oh, Bartek. Oh, you wanted to tell that joke last week, and then we just forgot to plug our social medias last week, and so there we go. You know what, I you think... Got I, I to think, do it this week. I think I've wanted to make that joke for more than a week. He's been wanting to do it for a while, but we've just we haven't had the chance. You, so meant, you mentioned. Could everyone clap? Please clap. Thank you. You mentioned X at the beginning of this. It's like, oh, I have to remember to say the joke. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we are on X marks a spot and Facebook at Spit and Polish Presents. So make sure to follow us on there <laughs> was, as well. I was genuinely about to say we're also on Twitter, but yeah, you already Idiot. said that. <laughs> he renamed. On, Did you know that it's no longer you you no longer tweet things? Okay, okay but you we post things okay, now. Like on every other fucking social media but site. But unless but unless fucking uh, idiot. Unless he's changed it, it is still twitter.com. You you can write x.com and it will take you to twitter.com. How many X's Just does it work with? Just one. What if I accidentally like press X but like what linger on if, it? For... What happens if I actually want to look up some X videos? What if I uh, want to Google that Oppi word that the film Oppenheimer? Yeah, that's Oppi. a film. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Pe- pe- people, please draw whatever characters from that film with big Oppi. We also haven't talked about this is a two hour film and it taught us a new way to say the animal's name. Which is? Penguin. Because <laughs> the Japanese title is Penguin Highway. H- highway, but highway spelled in like Japanese way. <laughs>